Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Fat Man Little Trail, the podcast, the podcast where everyone is invited on this trail. I am your trail guide, if you will, for the day, uh, Greg, the fat man. Uh, it's just going to be me today. Uh, no guests. I had some great guests over the last couple of weeks, so go back and check out those earlier podcasts. And again, thank you to everybody who's been supporting uh, the podcast with listens and shares and um downloads on all the different uh, podcast platforms that I have out there. I think I'm on like 12 or something like that now. It just keeps going up and I can't keep track of all of them. There's so many out there. Uh, But Spotify, Google, Amazon, wherever you're listening, uh, feel free to write a review if you enjoy this and give me a give me a like and a share if you could. And if you want to help uh, support the podcast, maybe maybe make it so I can afford some music to go along with my ramblings. Um, that would be great. Uh, there is a link in my bio that can can help support the podcast financially. Um, I want to talk a little bit today. Uh, this last weekend, I took a trip up to Rocky Mountain National Park and I met one of my new friends and, and an old podcast guest, um, Amanda from National Park Capable, uh, was doing that as part of her goal to reach all of the national parks. So I got to meet up with her and it was a day that it was like 72 degrees in Denver. And I drove up to Rocky Mountain, and it was brutal. The bottom part of Rocky Mountain, when you move, when you first got in there, the basin and things like that, there was no snow. Uh, it was a little bit cold, but as you got further up, and we went to the Bear Lake Trailhead, for, for those of you familiar, um, and it's up at about 9,500 feet, somewhere in that range. And the trails were all really snowy, really icy, really slick, and... I don't think a lot of the people that we saw there were prepared for that. Um, I had mentioned it to Amanda and and her husband to make sure that they got some spikes because it's really important this time of year. Um, But we saw so many people usually falling, uh, slipping and falling, um, who weren't prepared up there. And, you know, a lot of people want to go to a place like Rocky Mountain National Park because they've heard about it and they they don't realize how quickly some of the weather can be. And it, it turned out to be a pretty brutal morning. It was, uh, the weather, was, the winds were blowing probably 40, 40 to 50 miles an hour. Amanda said the ranger told them the day before it was blowing 60. Um, the, the lakes were frozen at the higher elevations and the, like I said, the, the trail was snow-packed and icy and really, really slick and we saw a lot of people falling. So what I wanted to do today, and I know it's not winter everywhere, but I kind of wanted to give some people an idea of what I wear um, for winter and some of the picks or some of the tips I picked up. Uh, hiking through winter last year. For those people who, I know a lot of people are new on the trail, a lot of the people that listen to this podcast are just now uh, getting out into nature for the first time and might want to go exploring in the winter, and I just want to make sure that people are prepared. So I am i don't want to talk about snowshoeing because that's a whole other conversation. That's, that's a whole other you know, added thing to it. Snowshoeing, if you're going to go into deep snow, you definitely need to have snowshoes, but I don't want to get into that here. I'm talking more about like more well-used trails, uh, in the winter where, um, you know, it's packed down, but it's still slick and things like that. So I want to kind of get into that. Um, I'm going to start at the feet. So the first thing that is important, um, and, and I recommend this for all of the outdoor in the winter is getting, uh, either micro spikes, yak tracks, crampons, um, something to help with traction on your feet. Uh, I know a lot of people like yak tracks. I've never used yak tracks. I, I I've just used, um, micro spikes and I forgot what brand I have like Cthulhu or something like that. Um, and, and, and I really enjoy them. I really love them. And 
what I tell people is that walking in the ice and snow with a really good, you know, spike or traction device is actually kind of easier than walking on like just a regular dirt trail because they give you such good traction um, that, that it I've never felt unsafe walking walking with those and you know you don't slip you don't slide the the teeth grab down into the ice and it makes for a really comfortable um and and a safer walk uh so i think those are the most important thing you have to have those if you're going to go out and we saw so many people slipping and sliding around rocky mountain national park because they didn't have those on their shoes and they were in regular either hiking shoes or gym shoes or you know some people were, one guy was up there and it looked like he had dress shoes on i i didn't understand that but to each their own but they were sliding and, and slipping all over the trail so make sure you get some sort of traction device, uh, some sort of spike, yak track, micro spike, something like that. Um, the next thing is your boots. You definitely want to make sure that you have something that's waterproof because getting stuck in the snow uh, or walking through the snow, you're going to get a lot of snow melting on top of your shoes and it is going to eventually soak through if you don't have a waterproof shoe on. But another thing that's that's I think people neglect or don't know about are these things called gaiters um and what they are are they kind of hook into your shoelace and then kind of around the bottom of your foot and then they ride up your leg to a certain length uh, mine are like calf high i've seen them that just cover the ankles and what they do is they protect from that when snow like will fall down into your shoe which is really uncomfortable and then it melts and your foot is freezing for the rest of the hike um a lot of people wear them in you know, year round or in the fall and it protects from like leaves and from sticks and things like that. Rocks getting into your, into your shoe. But in the winter, especially it's really important. Um, I do, I use a company called outdoor research for that. I believe is the company name. Um, and they're just, they're really nice. They go up about to just below my calf and they protect all of that snow from falling into my shoes. Um, and, and, and that's something that I think I don't, I don't remember to bring them all the time, but in deep snow, it's really important to have something like that. Um, moving up the leg, you go into, uh, you know, your pants. So the first thing you want to do is it's probably going to be cold if it's snowing out. That's just kind of an assumption. So I would suggest like I do thermals, I do wool thermals from, um, you know, as my, as my base layer, uh, I like the wool cause it, it, it has moisture wicking qualities, keeps you warm. It's also a little bit breathable. So that makes it a little bit easier there. Uh, let me go back to the feet too, is, uh, a good pair of wool socks for the same reasons, moisture wicking. So if you start to sweat, it's going to, going to help with that. Um, but they can also really keep your feet warm in the winter and they keep your feet cool in the summer, which is the best part about wool socks. Uh, I have a new brand that I use on that. It's called a uh, Fox river. I just found them, uh, or they found me and they sent me a couple of pairs of socks to try out. And so far I, I love them. They've been really, really good. Um, some of the other brands are smart wool and darn tough that are out there for socks. Um, so then you got your, your thermals on your wool, long underwear on, uh, Almost all of the clothes that I wear are from a brand called Cool, K-U-H-L. Um, they're based out of Salt Lake. Uh, K-U-H-L.com is where you can find their their uh, their website to get all of their clothing. Um, what they have is they have really good water-resistant pants. Um, I think they're kind of known for their pants, but they have really good water-resistant pants. And there's two pair of pants in particular that I like to do my winter hiking in. Uh, the first one is called... 
the cool clash and the second one is called it used to be called the cool traverse and now they're called the cool uh transcender pants um so i have a review of both of those on my website at fatmanlittletrail.com if you're interested in learning more but the things i like about those is the clash especially has a little hook so it's like a, a gator so it can like the bottom of the pant hooks into your shoelace which protects you a little bit from getting that snow up into your sock and things like that the pants are also water resistant uh so as the snow's hitting you you know it's and melting around your legs or sticking to your legs you're not going to get that water coming through and, and getting your under layer cold and wet, which is very important. Uh, and then the, the part that I love the most about them and hiking in the winter is that all of their pockets, they have, you know, your regular normal jean pockets, like your back pocket and your, and your side pockets. And then they have two side pockets down around, you know, like mid leg. Um, but all of their pockets have zippers on those two brands or those two lines of pants which is really important. And I didn't realize how important it was until the first time you like slip and fall in the snow and you lose your keys out of your pocket and you have to go dig through four feet of snow to try to find your keys or your wallet or, you know, something important that's in your pocket. So having every single one of those pockets being zippable is a really, really important thing. And, uh, I, I just, I feel really comfortable when I'm hiking in, uh, the clash or the transcender, um, just because of that feature, not only are they water resistant, uh, they're thicker material too. So they keep me warm. And also just having those zippered pockets is really something that I like to do in the winter to kind of give myself that added layer of protection. Um, moving on to like kind of the upper body, the key to, to keeping your upper body warm, I found is just layering. Um, I, I like to do, uh, as a base layer, I either do a wool thermal again, um, or I do a moisture wicking base layer of some sort, uh, to start out again, I, I buy mostly cool stuff. So, uh, you can find it all on their website of what that I usually get. Uh, I usually, after that, I put on a layer that's going to help just keep me warm, kind of like a, a thicker layer, um, there's a, a sweatshirt called a riser and a sweatshirt called a engineered uh, hoodie that I like to use as kind of that second layer to keep me warm there. And then the, the top layer, there's two really important things. In the winter, it gets really windy uh, and it also gets really wet. So you want to have something that is a windbreaker and you want to have something that is waterproof. So you either have to, you can do that in multiple layers or you can try to find a jacket that is is kind of an all-in-one, you know, a big, you know, one of the big winter jackets, um, just as long as it's wind, you know, wind resistant and water resistant. That's what you're really looking for in those winter hiking situations. I do a thing called, uh, the cool one hoodie. That's kind of my windbreaker. It's a lined windbreaker. And then the other ones that I use is I have a cool one, uh, shell, which is a, um, uh, waterproof rain jacket, uh, that is like gives you complete protection from any moisture. So that's kind of what I do on that. As far as it go, as far as like the top of my head goes, I always have a stocking cap on or beanie of some sort. Um, you lose a lot of heat out of your head, head and out here in Colorado, the problem is it gets really sunny. So it could be four degrees, 
but it's also really sunny. So you think that you're nice and warm because the sun's hitting you, but you're really still losing a lot of that heat. So I try to keep a, a hat on at all times. Those of you watching on YouTube, you realize that I should probably have a hat on today. Um, I also uh, use what they call a neck gaiter, which is a piece of wool that goes over your head and it covers you can cover up to your you know like your nose covers your ears covers your lower you know your mouth and and down to your through your neck and that's just an added layer of wool that gives you a little bit of of warmth not a little bit but a, a good amount of warmth and a good amount of protection from the wind and things like that uh the next thing is the hands that is the worst part for me my hands are always the coldest part on my body in the winter and i have done so many different things to try to st keep them warm uh the last thing that i or the most recent thing that i've figured out is and my mom kind of gave me this idea and then another friend of mine also did it but you take those uh medical like latex gloves and put those on as a base layer. I take my gloves off a lot to take pictures for, for the website as I'm hiking a lot in the winter. And it's not the smartest idea, but, you know, I'm also there to, to do the website. So I take I end up taking my, my top gloves off and keeping those, um, the latex gloves on, help with keeping the hands warm and it protects from wind. The one problem I found with them is that, especially on days like, that are really cold to start and then warm up is your hands get really sweaty and that's moisture that you're losing out of your body that's important to replace so you have to keep that in mind and i'll talk about water in just a little bit um i'm saying i'm a lot today i'm just having a rough go at this this podcast but bear with me here so after you get the latex gloves on you got to have a couple other layers i have uh wool gloves mittens are actually probably warmer than gloves so the five finger gloves are, are good mittens are going to be warmer uh but they're less you can't you can't do as much with them so i always keep a pole um i always hike with pole uh poles so it's important to have you know the grip and being able to use my fingers and things like that so my fingers don't stay quite as warm as they would be in a mitten but there are warm enough when I get those extra layers on there. Poles are also a very important uh, aspect of hiking in the winter. Uh, not only are they going to help you stay up and stay balanced, but they um, also can be used to gauge the amount of snow that you're walking into. A lot of times you can't really see the trail as you go, so you have to just stick the pole down and see how deep the snow actually is. And I know these are a lot of kind of beginner notes on hiking in the winter but not everybody lives in you know Colorado where you get a lot of snow and a lot of people are like I said hiking for the very first time so those are just some of the tips that I have for staying warm the last tip and this is one of the more important tips is that your water will actually freeze in your backpack whether you, you are ready for that or not uh, I use you know, the hydration systems in the backpack and that was the biggest shock for me the first time is I was out hiking in the winter and it was only like 30 like 30 degrees so I thought it was warm enough I was moving around a lot and I go to suck through the tube and get some water and it is completely frozen solid the tube will freeze first but the water can also freeze in the reservoir uh, one way to uh, work on that is that they do have insulated tubes. I bought a couple of different brands last year and had no luck whatsoever in keeping my tube from freezing, uh, especially on the really cold days when it gets down below 10 degrees and you're hiking. Uh, 
what I started to do is I would run the tube into my jacket and kind of put that against my chest and have that under my layer. So it'd come in through my neck hole down into my, my chest and try to keep the tube as warm as I possibly could that way. Um, I know I have one friend, Alex, who she's given up on the hydration packs and she does all of her, um, water through water bottles. And she actually had a really brilliant idea. What she does is she takes a extra thick wool sock, you know, like a winter hiking sock, and she wraps her water bottles in those wool socks to give it kind of an insulation and protect it from freezing there. You're going to lose, it doesn't feel like you're losing a lot of moisture out of your body when you're hiking in the winter, but you really are. And you sweat and it's usually so dry and so cold that you don't realize how much you're sweating underneath all those layers. So it's really easy to get dehydrated. Plus the wind and the cold just make it more difficult. So everything's more challenging and everything's taking more energy. So you need to make sure that you're drinking water the whole time and you need to make sure that you're snacking as well. There's a whole other um, aspect about it, about winter hiking and snow conditioning and things like that. If you're just starting out, I really recommend stay on trails that are well used, well worn. Um, you know, the, the trail you'll see, you can see the trail the whole time. Uh, it can get really dangerous out there in the winter. You need to know weather wise what you're doing. You should have a compass with you because if you get caught in a snowstorm and, you know, it starts blowing and the wind starts blowing and the snow's blowing all over the place, it gets really hard to find the trail again. Um, so, so if you're not comfortable and not, good at that part of hiking you should probably stay away from from hiking on the really bad weather winter days uh, but on a good weather winter day on a trail that's been really well worn hiking in the winter can be really enjoyable and I actually really do like it it's it's much quieter there's less people out there but you want to be safe the whole time I do have on my website in the getting started tips under um, the thoughts section I do have kind of a getting started guide to winter hiking, uh, where I talk to a meteorologist about kind of some of those safety things to look for with the weather coming up and, and things like that. So if you're interested to learn more about that, uh, check Fat Man Little Trail out there. So that's about all I have on kind of the winter hiking. Like I said, I, I just went up to Rocky Mountain this last week and I saw so many people that just didn't, they weren't prepared and they were slipping, they were sliding, and it, it just, I, I was a little disappointed. Rocky Mountain's a little different because it's, a lot of people visit from out of town, a lot of people visit from out of state, and they don't understand how the weather is uh, in Colorado and how hiking in, you know, snow is going to be way different than, than what you think it's going to be. So I just wanted to come on here and give a really quick talk about how what I do to try to stay a little bit safer out there. Like I said, spikes are, are kind of number one for me. If I don't have spikes, I'm not even going to go on the trail. Uh, poles are really important to help with, with the safety side of it. And then it's just a matter of getting the right clothes, getting the, the clothes that are designed to keep you warm and are still lightweight and, and can keep you on the trail and comfortable for an entire, you know, two or three hour hike in the middle of winter. Like I said, snowshoeing is something completely different, different, and I might talk about that later. I have not done well on snowshoes. I don't enjoy snowshoeing yet. I'm working on it. Uh, every time I've, I've used them, I kind of stand up and then just teeter-totter over. Uh, it is not a pretty sight. 
Um, so, so I'll talk about that as I get a little more experience or I can bring somebody on who has more experience. I'd love to, to talk about that a little bit more, but that is kind of my, my basic, basic, basic tips. If you want to go out and enjoy some winter hiking in safe conditions, those are kind of the weather, the, the clothing that you want to be prepared for the weather and the safety of the ice and the snow that's on the ground. So I do want to bring up another thing. This is uh, the hike of the week. I always do a hike of the week. Uh, the last few times it's, we've had guests on and they've had some great hikes. And I don't really want to talk about a hike this time, more of an area. And I, I posted this on my social medias and I did a, did a blog report about it uh, in the last week. But I went down to the Royal Gorge Bridge in uh, Cannon City, Colorado, which is down in, in Fremont County, kind of on the, the southern half of, of the state. And... The Royal Gorge Bridge is the is North America's highest suspension bridge, and it is 1,200 feet across and about a thousand feet uh, above the river below. So it is pretty pretty legit. Uh, I am not a big fan of heights. I've been getting better. Uh, the more I hike, the more you know peaks I get onto and things like that. I've gotten a little bit better on on the height thing, but I found that walking across a bridge is completely different than walking to the side of a, you know, on the side of a mountain or something like that. And, and I freaked out. I, I'm not going to lie. And I have video of me walking across the bridge and freaking out, um, going both directions. Cause once you got across, I had to realize like, uh Oh, now I'm over here. So, uh, one of the aspects of the bridge is that not all of the wood planks are actually, uh, bolted down because if you bolt them all down and they get a big wind gust or something, the bridge will kind of tear itself apart. So a lot of the planks as you step on them slide underneath your feet, which when you're already freaked out and you're a thousand feet above this Canyon and a river at the bottom. And you realize that like the step you just took is sliding. It is not the most comfortable situation for somebody who's already scared of heights. Uh, there were so many people that just walked across the bridge. They say 2 million people a year. I think it was 2 or 20 million people a year. I don't remember. But they all, they say they cross the bridge every year. It's no big deal. They drive carts over the bridge. They drive every, you know, and they, it's it's a very safe bridge. It's, it's built to do 2 million pounds. And the fat man doesn't quite weigh 2 million pounds yet. A um, couple more McRibs and I might be there. But as of now, I'm under that threshold. But the just the, kind of that feeling it's really windy up there and it kind of sways in the wind and then your feet are sliding and it's crazy and then once you get across it you have to decide are you going to walk back across it or you have the option of taking a gondola which is just in my opinion cage death or zip lining and kind of an open zip line across the uh, 1200 foot canyon gorge that you're you're over so i decided to walk back across the bridge because the people who ziplined over it were crazy and the people that were in the gondola that just that's not for me a little going across a a, a gap like that in a little uh enclosed space just didn't seem like like i could do that so I, it was a little bit better on the way back and i i got a little bit more comfortable um, but it was still just, it was a fun experience. And if you were in the Colorado area or if you come around Colorado, it's about a two and a half hour drive from, from Denver, uh, if you're interested. 
And it's just, it's kind of neat to see this bridge that was built, you know, early 1900s that is, you know, 1,200 feet across and 1,000 feet in the air just kind of dangling between two two sides of a canyon. Um, you know, you usually see that, you know, like the Golden Gate Bridge or something like that, a giant suspension bridge, but to see it just kind of dangling there in the middle of nowhere is pretty impressive and, and it's pretty fun. So if you get a chance, the Royal Gorge Bridge is a definitely an interesting experience. They also have like uh, kind of a historical movie there. They have a playground for kids and things like that. So there's plenty of stuff to do. Um, without walking over over the bridge if you're if you're into that type of thing so that's all the time i have hopefully this will be a little bit helpful for those of you who are going to visit rocky mountain national park or for those of you who are looking at at starting some some safe snow hiking uh and and winter hiking hopefully this this helped you out a little bit Uh, i am going to take a couple weeks off or at least a week off uh, to celebrate some Thanksgiving, and I hope all of you have a wonderful Thanksgiving as well, and hopefully you get to spend time with family or loved ones, um, and hopefully you still take time to get out into nature and get out on the trail, and maybe walk off some of that turkey. I know they do a turkey trot in most places, so maybe we should start a uh, you know a fat man turkey hike each more each uh, Thanksgiving weekend. So I'm gonna try to get some some hiking done where I go, and I hope you do as well. Um, but that's all the time we have. So I hope to see you on a trail real soon. And until then, happy hiking.